Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on a shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast or a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com. You can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, Radio Havana Cuba, NHK Japan, and Russia's Sputnik Radio. We'll begin with Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. A series of brief stories, including protest by Poles who want to remain in the European Union, the Polish government wants to build a wall to stop migrants from Belarus, several COVID reports, Israel told the U.S. that they will use force to stop Iran from acquiring an atomic bomb, and Venezuela is taking the Colombian president to the International Criminal Court for exterminating Venezuelan migrants. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Thousands of demonstrators have turned out for pro-European Union rallies across Poland. In a landmark decision, the top national court has ruled that some Polish laws have priority over EU law. The European Commission has vowed to fight the ruling. The Polish government has drafted a bill to provide 350 million euros to build a wall on its border with Belarus. Warsaw wants to stem the recent surge of migrants trying to cross from its neighbor. Lawmakers are to discuss the legislation on Wednesday evening. Well, the coronavirus pandemic, of course, is still raging in some parts of the world. Let's take a look at some of the latest developments in the coronavirus. A British parliamentary report has concluded that the government's actions in the early days of the pandemic led to thousands of unnecessary deaths. It says the decision to delay lockdown was one of the most important public health failures in the country's history. Thailand has announced plans to reopen from November 1st uh, to vaccinated tourists from countries deemed low risk. It says the move is needed to help revive the economy. And the World Health Organization has recommended that all immunocompromised people be given an additional COVID-19 vaccine dose. The recommendation applies to all vaccines approved by the WHO. France's pandemic state of emergency is to be extended until the end of July next year, pending approval from lawmakers. That will give the government the power to impose restrictions such as the COVID-19 health pass without a vote in parliament. French authorities say they want to be prepared for a possible new wave of infections. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken met his Israeli counterpart, Yair Lapid, in Washington, D.C. Lapid warned that Israel would not refrain from using force to prevent Iran from acquiring an atomic bomb. International talks on Iran's nuclear program have been on hold since June. Venezuela's government says it'll take Colombia's President Ivan Duque to the International Criminal Court in The Hague. It's accusing him of pursuing a policy of, quote, exterminating Venezuelan migrants. That's after two teenagers were found shot dead in a border region. Colombia says Venezuela's accusations are unfounded. 
Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channel called DW News. Next, Radio Havana, Cuba. Tuesday was the United Nations International Day of Indigenous Peoples. In Guatemala, there was a large demonstration in the capital against discrimination and in favor of indigenous and black dignity. The Chilean president announced a state of emergency and sent troops to control the indigenous Mapuche people who demanded a return of their lands currently being logged and farmed. Thousands of Bolivians gathered in opposition to the beginning of the Spanish conquest. Between 25 and 70,000 climate protesters blocked streets in Brussels, the capital of the European Union, demanding climate justice. More climate protesters gathered for five days in Washington, D.C. to advise President Biden to declare a national climate emergency and end projects involving fossil fuels. Greenpeace members were arrested in London for shutting down traffic on Downing Street with a 12-foot mock statue of Boris Johnson splattered in oil. Doctors Without Borders reported that a five-day course of Merck's anti-COVID pill cost $17 to produce and the U.S. taxpayers are set to pay $712. Radio Havana, Cuba. Today is the Day of Indigenous Resistance, with Native people increasingly demanding their rights in the 1980s. The United Nations declared the year in 1992 as the International Day of Indigenous Peoples, putting an end to the determination of Spain and other countries to call it International Day of America's Discovery. The Day of Indigenous Resistance. This is not Columbus Day. On this date, October the 12th, every year. Hundreds of representatives of indigenous peoples, social activists, peasants, and members of the Guatemalan civil society, led by the Social and Popular Assembly, the ASP, marched through the main streets of the capital on Tuesday against discrimination and in favor of indigenous, black, and popular dignity. The protest in Guatemala joins those of other Latin American countries on a date renamed Day of Indigenous Black and Popular Resistance, in which, in addition to recalling the European colonization suffered more than 500 years ago, they denounced the false independence from the Spanish crown 200 years ago. The protesters say they're still victims of a kind of state colonialism. Chilean President Sebastián Piñera has announced a state of emergency and deployed troops to two southern regions where clashes have broken out between Mapuche Indian people and security forces. The Mapuche are demanding the restoration of their ancestral lands currently owned by farms and logging companies together with self-determination. President Piñera said in a speech on Tuesday, quote, We have decided to call a state of exception in four provinces of the southern regions of Biobío and Araucania and the deployment of troops to help control the serious disturbance of public order there. The 71-year-old president said the four provinces in question have seen, quote, repeated acts of violence linked to drug trafficking, terrorism, and organized crime committed by armed groups and innocent civilians, and police officers have been killed in the violence. The Mapuche live mainly in the south, and they are the largest indigenous group in Chile. They number about 1.7 million out of the country's 19 million population. The lack of a solution to their demands has prompted armed groups to carry out attacks on trucks and private property over the last 10 years.
In the face of attempts by right-wing sectors to destabilize the legitimate government, thousands of Bolivians have gathered throughout the country for what is being termed as the Great Wistfala Zoo. The Wistfala is a quadrilangular flag of several colors, originally used by Andean peoples and presents especially in Bolivia. These mobilizations, planned by social organizations, extended to the nine departments of the country. The president of the Chamber of Deputies, Freddy Mamani, described the mobilization in defense of the Wifala as, quote, a meeting for the unity of the homeland and to consolidate the identity of all Bolivians. Tuesday's demonstrations took place within the framework of the Day of Indigenous Resistance in opposition to the commemoration of the beginning of the Spanish conquest that, every October the 12th, commemorates the arrival of the Spanish in the American continent in 1492. Thousands of protesters have taken to the streets in Brussels to demand bolder action in fighting climate change at the United Nations Climate Summit starting later this month. Dressed as endangered fish or tigers or wearing toy polar bears on their heads, demonstrators filled the streets of Belgium's capital on Sunday, chanting slogans demanding climate justice and waving banners in multiple languages. Politicians die of old age. Rosa died of climate change, said one banner, referring to a 15-year-old who was swept away by Belgium's Urther River in July, when Europe was battered by days of torrential rain and floods. Thousands of people representing more than 80 organizations took part in the protest, the biggest such event in the de facto capital of the European Union since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. Police estimated at least 25,000 marches, while organizers place the number at 70,000. Climate protesters gathered on Monday in Washington, D.C., where they advised U.S. President Joe Biden in the White House to take their demands seriously and declare a national emergency and end projects involving fossil fuels. As part of their five-day-long effort, the Build Back Fossil Free Coalition took to the streets of the U.S. Capitol to spur action by the Biden administration against climate change. Simultaneously, the Indigenous Environmental Network, or the IEN, a broad alliance of tribes, indigenous rights groups, labor organizations, and others, said in a statement that, quote, Biden has consistently fallen short of protecting the water that sustains all life on Mother Earth, and has continuously failed to honor our treaties. Quote, we have had enough of empty words. Our communities need clean water. Land returned. Divestment from the fossil fuel industry and healing from residential school traumas. In London, at least seven members of Greenpeace were arrested Monday after shutting down traffic outside 10 Downing Street by installing a 12-foot mock statue of British Prime Minister Boris Johnson splattered in oil. Greenpeace is calling on the Johnson administration to halt plans to drill off the Scottish coast in what's known as the Cambo Oilfield. A five-day course of Merex's new COVID-19 pill costs $17.74 to produce. But the pharma firm will charge the U.S. government $712, with taxpayers getting billed. Doctors Without Borders, Médecins Sans Frontières, or MSF, official Lena Menghaney told Russia Today, RT, generic pill production is the answer. 
The U.S. government gave Merrick $29 million towards the development of molnupiravir, a drug that the company claimed, quote, reduced the risk of hospitalization or death by approximately 50% in clinical trials on COVID-19 patients. Despite this generous funding, Merrick charges the federal government an estimated $712 for the pills that cost just over $17 to produce, and the U.S. taxpayer will pay for this 40-fold markup. Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu, though the podcasts are not updated. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140, and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 6000, 6060, or 6100. All the times I announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. Next, NHK Japan. An update on the COVID pandemic in Japan. The president of Taiwan declared opposition to recent Chinese actions and then paraded a display of missiles. The North Korean leader questioned U.S. sincerity in denying hostility to his country while parading his latest weapons. The International Energy Agency warned that countries need to triple clean energy investment in this decade to meet their 2050 emission targets. A major Japanese oil distributor will buy the largest Japanese renewable energy company. A United Nations conference on biodiversity was held in China, and delegates replaced goals set 11 years ago that were never reached. On the first day of issuance, the European Union raised $13 billion in green bonds to finance environmentally sound projects. NHK Japan. Now to the latest on the coronavirus situation in Japan, where case numbers continue to fall. Health authorities say the number of new infections across the country in the week up to Tuesday was just 60 percent of the figure from the previous week. Prime Minister Kishida Fumio told the Diet that the government will intensively support the development of homegrown vaccines and medications. To deal with powerful mutations and new infectious diseases, we will offer intensive support for research and development on an industry-government-academia basis. We'll offer support for domestically developed vaccines. We'll also work to improve the clinical trial environment and set up production bases and speed up the approval process for COVID-related products. Kishida added that the government aims to finish inoculations for all those who want them by early November. Taiwan's president has vowed to strengthen defense capabilities. Tsai Ing-wen made the pledge in speech commemorating Double Ten Day, which Taiwan considers the day of its founding. Tsai expressed concern about the recent Chinese military activity in Taiwan's air defense identification zone. She said this has seriously affected Taiwan's security and aviation safety. Tsai also said the Taiwanese people will not bow to pressure. She rejected China's moves that undermine the status quo of the Taiwan Strait under its one country, two systems policy. We will continue to bolster our defense and demonstrate our determination to defend ourselves to ensure that nobody can force Taiwan to take the path China has laid out for us. Tsai's speech was followed by a parade. The weapons on display included the Huanfen-3, an anti-ship missile developed by Taiwan. 
The Taiwanese authorities are accelerating the development and mass production of long-range missiles to strengthen deterrence against China. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un says he questions U.S. sincerity about whether it does not have any hostile intentions against the North. He made the comments at an event showcasing the North's latest military technology. State-run Korean Central Television reported on Kim's comments, which referred to U.S. efforts to reopen dialogue with the North. Kim said America is trying to signal it's not hostile, but its behavior says otherwise. Kim next took aim at South Korea. He said Seoul sees the North as a threat and not a partner. Kim said South Korea is trying to build up its missile program with U.S. support. Kim delivered his message while flanked by a variety of newly developed weapons, including an intercontinental ballistic missile. The International Energy Agency has warned that countries need to triple clean energy investment in the next decade in order to meet the 2050 target of net zero emissions. The agency issued its warning in a report published Wednesday, just a few weeks before the opening of the UN climate conference known as COP26. Japan, the United States and the European Union have pledged to cut greenhouse gas emissions to net zero by 2050. But the report warns that measures taken so far by countries are insufficient. The report says investment in clean energy and infrastructure needs to triple over the next decade in order to hit net zero emissions by 2050. The IEA executive director urged world leaders to unite to build a clean energy future together. We are determined, as the leaders of the uh, world here, to build a clean energy future because we believe that a new global energy economy is emerging. Representatives from more than 200 countries will gather in Britain from October 31st for the COP26 conference. The major Japanese oil wholesaler Enelos says it will buy Japan renewable energy for about 200 billion yen or nearly 1.8 billion dollars. Enels plans to bring JRE under its umbrella by late January. It aims to acquire all the company's stock from current shareholders, including U.S. financial giant Goldman Sachs. JRE operates solar and wind power facilities in Japan and Taiwan. The deal is expected to raise Enels' renewable energy generation capacity to more than 1.2 million kilowatts. It comes as the industry faces trouble attracting new investments as the world moves away from fossil fuels. Enos hopes it will lead to a new source of revenue going forward. Delegates from more than 100 countries sent a powerful signal as they emerged from a UN conference on biodiversity. They agreed to put the protection of habitats at the heart of government decision-making. The declaration replaces targets set 11 years ago. It says loss of biodiversity and ocean degradation pose an existential threat to the planet. It calls on nations to speed up their efforts to safeguard plants and animals. Biodiversity targets adopted in 2010 aim to halve the rate of loss of natural habitats, including forests, by 2020, among other goals. But most of the aims were left unachieved. 
the Biodiversity Conference will be held in person next April and May. Countries are expected to finalize and adopt the proposed framework. The European Union has announced that it's raised a massive sum from green bonds in just a day. It pulled in more than 12 billion euros or over 13 billion dollars from its first issuance of bonds to fund environmental programs. The European Commission says the amount is the largest ever raised from green bonds. The offering began on Tuesday. The EU plans to issue up to 250 billion euros worth of green bonds by the end of 2026. The Commission will use them to finance environmentally friendly projects. This includes the construction of wind power plants in Lithuania and digitalization at car factories in Germany. Commissioner for Budget and Administration Johannes Hahn said the issuance is a powerful signal of the EU's commitment to sustainability. Those reports were from NHK Radio Japan. They are now heard from 9.30 to 10 p.m. at 7245 and 7355 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please help me continue producing this weekly show, which I freely distribute to radio stations and the Internet, like an online listener in Moraga, California did this week. Many thanks. We will conclude with Sputnik Radio. George Galloway spoke with Max Kaiser about the release of the Pandora Papers, which revealed the leaders in offshore tax havens. In this excerpt, George wanted to know why there were no Americans among the 300 politicians and celebrities named in the papers. Max also describes how the vast amounts of money printed in the last two decades ends up in the hands of oligarchs from around the world. Sputnik Radio. Let's dive deep into the Pandora's box with the expert's expert, the legendary Max Kaiser, who joins us now. Over 300 politicians and public officials uh, from all over the world are revealed to be up to their neck in offshore lucre, whether criminal or not is for others to decide. But the strangest thing for me was not one of them was American. Are you living in some blessed uh, land where none of the public officials deal offshore? That's right, George. We're uh, Puritans here in America, and uh, we would never, ever consider uh, paying uh, anything less than what we owe in taxes to our beloved government. You know, here in America, we do have a scandal with politicians trading on inside information, which technically is not even illegal in the U.S. We also have a situation where two of the central bankers that work for the Federal Reserve Bank just got busted for insider trading. They have resigned. So we've got politicians, we've got central bankers, we've got Wall Street bankers, we've got the big four accounting firms. They're all participating in this huge 20 to $25 trillion pool of offshore capital. 
where not only do they don't pay taxes, but they also trade on inside information. They manipulate stock prices. They manipulate commodity prices. And uh, it's the tail wagging the dog, right? This pool of capital is what sets prices for all stocks, bonds, futures, and commodities around the world. And they do so completely in the dark uh, without any regulation whatsoever for their own aggrandizement. That's why in the last couple of years, you had, you know, one, you went from one guy with $100 billion, there's now 10 guys with $100 billion. And the number of billionaires in the world has exploded exponentially. That's a direct result of this offshore pool of illicit capital, George. Some people suspect that the absence of any American names uh, in this treasure trove is because it's the Americans that hacked it. Is there any possible truth in that? Well, we know, for example, that when the Swiss bank, uh, UBS, was busted for offshore banking, the Swiss model of taking on all kinds of capital from all nations all over the world was destroyed, and a lot of that money went to the U.S. So the U.S. is extremely competitive when it comes to laundering money and hiding offshore capital and busting the competition. This is an example of, let's say, the mafia getting the cops to bust their competition uh, in the next town. Uh, Definitely the U.S., Uh, corrupt bankers have their fingerprints all over this. And it's just a matter, uh, as I've said, they feel like they would make more money if they got rid of the competition. So they have set up the regulators who are completely corrupt to go after their competition. Uh, Every news item has featured uh, President Putin's face, even though he's not even in Pandora's box. Uh, The best they've come up with is someone he was... Uh, allegedly romantically involved with in the 1990s. But these oligarchs appear to have spilled around the world and be playing around with almost unimaginable sums in money. Where'd they get it all? They get it from the central bank. The central bank has printed trillions of dollars. They give it to these oligarchs. And by the way, there are American oligarchs and European oligarchs and Asian oligarchs. The world is full of oligarchs all over the world. And they're the first in line. When the central banks, the European Central Bank or the Federal Reserve Bank or the Bank of England prints hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars, the way they distribute that money, George, is that they give it to their friends in the banking centers in London and New York and Asia first. And then they're supposed to be distributing it to the rest of the world. Uh, Well, a lot of that money never makes it to the rest of the world. It stays on the balance sheets of these banks. And then they give it to their preferred customers who go out and they buy chateaus and works of art and other trinkets for billions of dollars. And uh, that's how the game has worked. It's nothing new. It's been going on really in earnest for a couple of decades. The oligarchs, whether they're in America or anywhere else in the world, they don't really have to comply with the laws that everyone else has to. They get to write their own laws. You know, on Wall Street, we've seen this for decades, George, where if a bank commits fraud or they break the law, then they have a chance to retroactively create a new law. Like, for example, when Citibank bought Travelers Corp., they broke the Glass-Steagall regulation, and then they went to the court system and they had that uh, law retroactively 
changed to make it okay for them to have broken the law. So either you get bailed out with a huge multi-trillion dollar bailout, you get to write your own laws, uh, or you get both. So uh, we, we are living in neo-feudal times, George, where it's the oligarchs and the serfs. Max Kaiser. That interview was by George Galloway from his program on Sputnik Radio, the current name for the voice of Russia, available online at rt.com and on YouTube, search for George Galloway. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for the show that's out farpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link on my website along with the podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 25th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.